0: So a pastor has a hundred people in his church. So how many sheep are in the church? What do you think? 100. There you go, one hundred one. Okay, wasn't so much of a trick, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of makes a little bit of a uh, indentation into what we want to talk today about shepherds because. Whoever the shepherd is in that church, he is one of the sheep, because okay? he is learning just like everybody else as he's following the Lord in that. So let me tell you about uh, Pastor Zeke. Pastor Zeke uh, was a pastor who never liked to prepare a sermon. So uh, he would go through the whole week, and then he'd, uh, you know, get to church on Sunday, and we'd hit the worship service. And during the worship service, he'd keep saying, "Please, Lord, please, Lord, give me a message for today. Give me a message for today." And he would do this week after week after week after week. So finally, one Sunday, he's praying during worship, and he's saying, "Please, Lord, give me a message. Give me a message." And the Lord said, "Here's your message, Zeke. You're lazy." So, we don't want to be lazy. Uh, I, I entitled the message today, The Cost of the Call. And, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about shepherds today. But I always like to take things like this and apply them to ourselves, too. You know, when we give our lives to the Lord, there's a cost to that. Because we're called, we're really we're called to be uh, Christians. So it's it's not just it's not just the pastor in the church that has a calling, and you know he has to do all the praying and all the work and so on. Um, just think, I think about our service alone. You know, how much do we desire God to show up in the service? How much of a desire is that in our in our own hearts? As you know, we arise in the, early in the morning, and there's some things that uh, we do in the morning. For example, you know, there's, we take a shower sometimes, brush our teeth, we have a little bit of a breakfast, and, and so And then we come here to church. And when we get here, you know. How prepared are we for this service? How much do we want God to really be here with us? You know, if we walk in that back door with God, in other words, we've been talking to him all morning. He's been part of our morning. It's not, it's not just something that we're coming to meet him when we get here into the building. But we met him from the time that we opened our eyes in bed. And then when we get here, now we want to, you know we 're ready to roll because we 've walked in we 've got the holy Spirit, and as we 've been talking to him for hours already, and now we 're going to spend some time in corporate worship it, it would be a whole different service here if we did that okay and and I know some of us do that are, are already because you can tell just by the the service today but i 'm talking in general in uh, for churches in general that this this would be so much, uh, uh, so much a, a better way of beginning a church service when everyone in the church service was already worshiping God before we even started, before we even played one note of that music. Okay, but that's, there's a cost to things, and as we're called to be Christians, we have to pay that cost, and sometimes that cost is getting up a little bit earlier sometimes it's spending time in the word before we do other things you know there's different things during the day that uh, are that that course that that jesus has for us and our example of course is jesus so we see the course that he had when you read scripture and you see what he did early in the morning i mean the apostles would get up and where did he go? Where did he go? You know, he's, he's up in the mountains somewhere. He's been up there for hours praying already. Okay? And that was the cost that that Jesus paid. Instead of sleeping late in the morning like everybody else, he was out there praying. All right? And, and, and he is our example for that. So I think it's important uh, not only for the shepherd in the church to be following jesus of course he is and he's our example and we'll talk a little bit about that later but also he's he's our example because we are going to be shepherds to each other as uh, we're going to see later on if you look at um in scripture at there are many many different people in scripture that have paid the cost uh one of my uh, favorite uh Stories in Scripture, the story of uh, Esther. We we have that's one of the ones that we don't we don't talk about too much because it's it's Old Testament. It was funny because just on the plane, and and I had been thinking about uh, when I was coming back from Florida uh, during the week. um, There's three seats, so obviously Patty's on one side of me, and this lady sat down next to us. Nicely, she was in her uh, late 70s, but, uh, you know, very uh, kind of like uh, athletic looking uh, in, in for her for her age. But um, I asked her, you know, what her name was because I, I like to start talking to people and I always want to give them a Gideon Bible before they get off the plane. So uh, – uh, I was talking to her, and her name was Esther, and she was a, um, a school teacher and she said, you know, I taught school for, I think it was 31 years, and I never had a child in my class named Esther, ever. And I thought about it, and I, I taught for 37 years, and I said, I, I never did either. You know, it, it's really amazing. It's, it's such an unusual name. But the story of Esther is just wonderful in, in, the, in the Bible. And, uh, you know, Esther uh, was of Jewish background, but um, it was during the time that, of the Persian Empire. And King Ahuserus, I think that's how his name is pronounced. Sounds like they're having a good time in there. <laughs> Maybe we should go in there. Uh, King Ahusuerus, uh threw this big party one time, and for some reason his queen refused to come to the party so in, in a quick story he, he dethrones her and decides to choose another uh, uh queen and he winds up choosing uh esther and uh esther was raised by her uncle mordecai who told her don't reveal your jewish background so the king didn't really know that she was jewish And uh, there was this famous man uh, during this time. His name was Haman. And Haman uh, was being uh, honored by the king. And and he loved walking around the kingdom and people bowing down to him. And the only one that would not bow down to him was Mordecai, the the, uh, uncle of of Esther. And as it turns out, Haman tries to... uh, kill Mordecai, to have him uh, hung on, on, uh, uh, during um, uh, at some point when he was going to also kill all of the Jewish people, have all the Jewish people in the area killed. So uh, Mordecai tells Esther, you've got to go before the king. And make sure that this does not happen, that there was this uh, um, rule made or some kind of uh, law made that they would be able to uh, kill all of the Jewish people. So uh, one of the my most famous and probably loved, uh, loved words in the Bible come in this passage because Mordecai says to uh, Queen Esther, um, You have been born for a special time as this. Uh, Those are not the exact words, but um, I I, I think of that often for us because I think all of us have been born for a special time and for, you know, to do something. God gives us talents and abilities and things and so on to do that. And the, the story of Esther goes on where Haman who wanted to hang Mordecai winds up being hung on the same gallows that he had built, had built for, uh, for Mordecai. It's, it's quite a, it's a good story. I sometimes think William Shakespeare might have read the book of Esther before he started writing some of his stuff because, you know, it's just, it has that turnaround type thing, you know, where the guy that's trying to kill everybody winds up getting killed in the, in, in the same way. But Esther was born for a certain time, and that was the time, and she was able to uh, save the, uh, the Jewish people. But there was a cost to what she had to do. In order for her to do this, she had to go and stand before the king. Now, back in the Persian Empire, to go and stand before the king without being called by the king was worthy of death. In other words, you could be hung for that, and she had to kind of take that chance, and all she asked the kingdom to do, she asked the Jewish people, please fast and pray for the next three days before I do this, and when she went and stood before the king, nothing really happened uh, uh, to her, and then the king started unraveling what was going on with Haman, and that's what turned it around. But uh, Mordecai's famous line, it was, you, were, you know, you were born for such a time as this, and I think that's where, where we're at too. There are many examples in the Bible of people paying a cost for uh, being Christian or for uh, following the Lord. I think of uh, Abraham uh, having to leave his land all right, and go to a foreign land, I, I was thinking of myself, if, if God had asked me, go live in the Sahara Desert, you know, and and start a new life there, it's like, you know, that that's what Abraham did, you know, I mean, he did have a lot of riches with him and he took some people with him, so uh, it wasn't like he went there all alone, but I mean, that's pretty you know that's that's a pretty big cost, and of course we all know the story of with Isaac too, and how he had to offer Isaac uh, at a certain point in time. Also, uh, I think also of uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was living uh, in the palace of the king. He was had a very very comfortable life, and yet he was asked by God to go build the wall around Jerusalem, that was not a very comfortable thing to do. He had to face a lot of enemies out there and had to give up the life that he had in there. So, you know, everything that God calls us to has a cost to it. And we can pay that cost or we can do nothing and not, not pay it, like Pastor Zeke, you know, who was called to be a pastor but didn't want to pay that cost you know and and we just keep asking god for that message every sunday so i want to look at some of the um, things that i think when we're talking about a shepherd what are some of the costs that shepherds have to pay in order to be a good shepherd and i think i think The all-time top of the list for me is humility. I don't think any shepherd can be a good shepherd, that any pastor can be a good pastor if they are not humble. Because there's so much attention given to the pastor in a church. You know, you, you think of... We have a small church here, but you think in large churches where you know there are five hundred people, a thousand people, everybody knows the pastor, you know they all know his name, and they they see him on Sunday up preaching and everything and For any little bit of pride to creep in there would be very, very easy, and it's I think it's something that if you're called to be a shepherd, you have to kind of guard against that for the reason that there's a lot of things that can happen because of that. For example, like the spirit of manipulation can get in very, very easily where – you're constantly trying to manipulate and move things around the way you want them, uh, that 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 you want to happen, and you have kind of the power and the ability to be able to to move things around and do that, rather than let God do what He wants to do. Okay? So we've been very fortunate in in this church because we have had two pastors that I think both have you know had that humility that that we need. To, to, to see happen. Okay. You can give me that $20 later on. <laughs> Some other things that pastors have to uh, really have to be. They, they have to um, pay the price of, say, studying. You do have to study the word. If you're, if you're going to come up and preach week after week after week, you really have to know the word. Now, some pastors have gone through a schooling where they've gone through, like, some kind of a, a college, uh, and they've learned a lot of this, but, um, you know, God moves in different ways and through different times and through different people, and, you know, you have to be willing to be – Spend time in God's Word, and as you're spending time in God's Word, to be listening to that. Now, I know we all have to be doing this, but it's uh, but a, a shepherd, especially if he's going to be preaching all the time, is really really needs to uh, spend the time to do that. Also, uh, shepherds have to agonize in prayer for. The, the the flock you know we were talking uh, a little earlier about how it's important to be able to walk in that back door and to be ready for a service and so on and it's you know it's the shepherd that leads in that it's it's uh it's important i know in the um in scripture it talks about the shepherds being good rulers and I read somewhere that they really translated that in the wrong way when they said ruler because really it should be translated leader. And a shepherd has to lead. And, you know, what's the best way of leading is by doing what you're asking anybody else to do. Okay? Rulers don't have to do that. They can just make rules and laws and say everybody has to follow that. You know, we have lots of examples of that in our country. So, um, you know, as far as... uh, a shepherd in, in, in charge of a church or over a church, they have to be able to lead in being able to do the things that they're asking everybody else to do. The preparation, okay, preparation for a sermon on Sunday takes hours and hours and hours to, to, to do that and to do it well. So these are, these are things that... A lot of times we don't notice, but they, uh, the shepherd has to be willing to do that, all right? And then, of course, to have good leadership skills. And uh, God usually supplies that, but you have to develop that somewhere somewhere along the way. All right. A couple of things that I want to uh, just look at uh, as we begin to wind this down. Um, Because uh, in my my fifth grade, as I I used to teach, I used to um, ask the students when we were talking about books that we were going to be reading, I would always ask the students, make sure that you don't go and see the movie before you read the book. Okay? And, And those of you that have done that know why because usually if you if you see the movie first and then you go and read the book all you keep picturing while you're reading the book is the movie you know you the movie just goes through your mind and usually when an author writes a book the purpose of writing the book is for you to use your imagination so that you can picture what the author is trying to say I think it's the same thing with pastors. A lot of times we see pastors in action before we read about what pastors are supposed to be like in Scripture. And then when we're reading Scripture, what's going through our mind but the pastors that we've seen? Oh, yeah, he does that. Oh, yeah, he does this. And it doesn't really give you a true picture of what a pastor is supposed to be like because we already have the picture in our mind. We've already spent so much time seeing what a pastor does or doesn't do and, and so on. And I think that's unfortunate. I don't think there's anything we can do about that. But I just I just see it as that because a lot of what we see with pastors today is cultural. I I don't think everything that is you know that pastors do or don't do is always is scriptural. Right? And you really need to do a lot of studying with that to see that. So it, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to to just kind of blank out your mind, if you ever could, and then go and study Scripture and see all the different things in Scripture about pastors. And actually, there's not a whole lot in Scripture about it. Um, Pastors are mentioned, I think you mentioned it in one of the sermons, it's only twice where they talk about shepherd that's not referring to Jesus, and they're, they're referring to the shepherds of the church. Okay, and a lot of things in Scripture actually—you have to go to what they talk about with elders, because actually the pastor is an elder in the, in the church, along with other elders. But I believe that in Scripture, if you really look at it, they this kind of an equality there. It's not—it's not a pinnacle thing where you see, uh, you know, a triangle, and at the very tip of the triangle is the pastor, and then you start coming down a little bit, and you see the elders, and then you come down and you see the congregation. And I don't think that's scriptural. And, and that's, that's something that, you know, it's, it's pretty much, um, practiced that way. Because that's just the cultural, that's the culture. That's the way it is. I think that's the way it, it was done in Europe, when, um, when people came to America, and they just, and they just brought that with them. But I think that there's such an equality there that really there is leadership, obviously, there has to be leadership within a, in a church, and you will have all the elders, including the pastor, as leadership and but along with them is all. All the people that are in the church, okay? Because we're all learning together. We're all trying to grow to the, together in, in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So I, I think that's important with that. I also looked at um, titles. I'm not always big on titles or what, what should, should or shouldn't be. But I don't really see anywhere in Scripture where Paul is called Apostle Paul, okay? If you look at all the, the different books in Scripture, it always says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. You see, because that was the gifting that God gave him as uh, as an apostle. Okay? That was the function that he acted in. Okay? So, uh, I don't think titles are big. And uh, I know Jay has mentioned already, he says, I don't care whether you call me Pastor Jay or just... Call me Jay, you know, and I always like to just call him Jay because Jay is my friend, you know, and we we just enjoy each other so much. But um, it's it's one of those things where again it's a cultural thing. So is there anything wrong with it? No. You want to call somebody Pastor Jay? That's great. If you want to just call him Jay, that's also great. Okay, because it, it really doesn't matter that much. It, it's it's whether or not you're following culture, but in a in sense. Uh, if you think you're not following Scripture, then uh, it, there really is nothing that, at least that I could find in it. Okay. So, what is the shepherd's job? The shepherd's job is to equip, and that's what we're, that's what we're, you know, all the elders are trying to do. We we want to equip you. And this morning, I'm going to make all of you feel very uncomfortable <laughs> because we're equipping. <laughs> Now, this is how I want to end uh, the sermon this morning. And this is something that you can participate in this and however you want to do it. But I, I know many people run to the pastor at the end of a service for prayer. Nothing wrong with it. Okay. And the Bible is clear about certain times, like if you are sick, you are to run to the elders And the elders are to pray for you, and you will be healed. Okay, but the pastor is not up there to pray for every single thing that goes on within a church. Now we're a small church; it doesn't have a great effect here. But I just I want this understanding because we may grow as a church. I mean, someday we may be 500 people, and you can't have 50 people online every Sunday for the, for the pastor to pray for them. Because that really isn't scriptural. And we, you know, are shepherding each other. So I wanted to end today with just a time when we can kind of pray for each other. And this is, you can do this however you want to do it. I'm going to make a suggestion, but you, you can do it however you want to do it. All right? I would like you to just pick somebody in the church to pray with. Find out if they need prayer for any specific thing, and then just pray for them just a couple of minutes, and then reverse the process, you know, so that that person who you just prayed for can now hear what you need to be prayed for and then can pray for you. And you can do this with a spouse. You can do this with a brother or sister. You can, you know, however you want to do it. And if you don't feel comfortable with that and you just want to pray by yourself, then you can do it that way too. Okay? There's just lots of different ways that that you can do it. Okay? Um, This shouldn't last more than six or seven minutes. And as you finish, we have... Bagels inside and various things, you know that uh, those, especially those of you, know, this coffee, bagels and stuff like that. And you can kind of just get up and go inside whenever you want. All right. Well, praise the Lord and uh, see how this all works. God bless you all.